When it comes to my finger quote wellspring of NBA knowledge, I'd say I'm an A student dropping to about A minus in the dog days of March. NFL wise, I start the season at like a B plus, and then after a few weeks of watching Scott Hansen in NFL Red Zone, I get to be a solid A minus. Major League Baseball, yeah, not so hot. Maybe a C, plummeting to a D when the White Sox and the Cubs are out of the playoff picture, which is usually pretty quickly. But soccer, I am not great. Yeah, yeah, I know the big names. I know Maradona and Ronaldo and Messi, and I even know how to pronounce Pelé. And I do a pretty good Andres Cantor impression. Check it out. <laughs> Nailed it. I'm good with the greatest hits, but the deep cuts, yeah, not so much. Fortunately, I made friends with two experts of the beautiful game who were not only great at schooling me on what's happening in the world of international football, but they happened to curate unquestionably the greatest collection of soccer memorabilia in the world. For that matter, it's one of the greatest collections of sports memorabilia in the world, period, which is why it's time to collect this. Welcome to Collect This, powered by CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. Here's your host, Alan Goldscher. Umberto Paolucci, Matteo Pella, the founders and curators and brains behind the world football collection, which, as I said in the intro, is, and I will stand by this, unquestionably the best soccer memorabilia collection in the world and potentially the greatest sports memorabilia collection in the world. And I I give that to you guys. You're welcome, Umberto. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, Yes, I mean, uh, we we believe uh, and we're not the only one to have uh, this unique collection. Uh, It's been appraised uh, by the two most important auction houses in the world. Uh, We are the only company that loans to FIFA. So uh, it's, it's a collection of over 250,000 items. It's pretty wide and it covers uh, 160 years of the history of the game and, you know, all 211 federations around the world. Just bear in mind, there's only 193 nations of the United Nations. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I have been lucky enough to get a, a cell phone tour of the facility. Uh, Matteo, how big is that joint? It's almost uh, 700 square meters, something like that. But it's packed in every direction, on the walls, on the floor, vertical, horizontal, <laughs> diagonal, in all possible dimensions. There's, And then you say, okay, well, it's all here. Uh, I don't see 250,000 items. Then you open a drawer and there's 2,000 medals. <laughs> it's there, one drawer. Uh, or, you know, there's there's also a uh, stamp, post stamps collection mm-hmm. who won actually the uh, Olympic competition because uh, uh, back then there was uh, this uh, competition was actually an Olympic sport, an Olympic competition, and he actually won the gold medal. Four uh, times. Four times gold medal, gold medal winner <laughs> of stamp collection. It, it, yes, for as yes. much as strange as this might sound, Google it up. You'll see it's absolutely legit. <laughs> uh, we, we, cannot, we cannot criticize people for collecting stamps, even that we do collect all other kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Umberto, 
how, when, why, when did this thing start? Why did you, it, it, and this is a lifetime pursuit, right? This isn't just one of those things where you're sitting around with one of your buddies and saying, hey, let's try and get every cool piece of <laughs> soccer memorabilia in the world. What, how did this come about? I mean, um, the idea uh, was uh, to create something unique and uh, to that could be the, um, the cornerstone to create the Football Hall of Fame, which uh, doesn't exist. Uh, believe it or not, the International Soccer Hall of Fame doesn't exist. So in back in 2008, I, I, with, with some friends, we acquired the Interne AC Milan official museums at the stadium. Um, and from there, I M&A some of the biggest collectors in the world. We, we, we both extensively around the world from players, auctions, and so on. And uh, we've been going on like that for uh, 14 years and counting. 14 years. Uh, Matteo, I think one of the, the biggest questions that you guys probably get, and I know the question that I get when I tell people about the WFC, is how do they get all that amazing stuff specifically? Like I, it, the, the stuff in there, we'll talk about that momentarily, but there's stuff that's like tens of hundreds of years old. There's things that are, you couldn't even imagine would, would end up in uh, ostensibly, what's ostensibly a museum that's not open to the public. Uh, how do you get your stuff? <laughs> that's a good question because it comes right after when, when, when Umberto told you it's a uh, 14 uh, years uh, uh, long journey, but actually the the collecting effort that builds up the uh, the um, collection as of now is more than probably hundred years of collecting. What do I mean with this? That along the way, yes, we have collected piece by piece. Yes, we have bought some tens or, or uh, dozens of pieces from this collector and this collector, but mostly in, along the way, we emanate, so we acquired other collections mm -hmm. from other collectors who had been collecting for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. So entire collections, not just pieces here and there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Entire collections that, that we have put uh, together of people just, you know, getting old and say, what am I going to do with this? Mm -hmm. Am I going to leave something to my grand grandchildren? Yes, you can. And uh, luckily enough, the market was not so crazy as it is right now for, uh, for memorabilia. And so we were able to put together these. And some others said, I'm going to contribute to your collection with my collection, but I want some equity in exchange. Mm -hmm. Good. We made some of those deals. So it's, um, it's a much longer journey if you go down to all the people who have made efforts in order to uh, put together uh, this huge amount of items. Umberto, um, all collectors, not all collectors, but lots of collectors have a story, right? I went up to blah, blah, blah and found blah, blah, blah. Someone gave me blah, blah, blah. Your stories have to be bananas coming from players, coming from FIFA, coming from other collectors. Tell me some of the odder, uh, more interesting uh, acquisitions. I don't know. I mean, it's been a, a really unique journey. There's been so many acquisitions uh you can imagine to put together 250,000 plus items um I, I i believe um some of the most interesting journeys have been in south america mm -hmm. um and uh i mean we have had pele as a shareholder for uh, for a certain period so that was uh both a pleasure and an honor 
and and obviously he brought some of uh, his items um, into the collection, mm-hmm. his personal items, um, which were not the, the typical things you can imagine. It was more what he cherished and and kept as great memories. Um, what are what are some of those yeah. specifics? Ah, uh, there was this gift he received when he uh, when he uh, went to Biafra and for a friendly game. And there was the revolution in Nigeria, and they couldn't play the the match, mm-hmm. and they had to escape. Uh, and he still received a, a gift from the president the day before he was assassinated. Uh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and and things of this sort, so really, really peculiar things, um, which has limited to do with football and more to do with the history of, uh, with culture. of the person. And, uh, yeah, it's more general culture. And, um, you know, uh, there's uh, uh, traveling the world and, and, um, and meeting uh, people all over the world. It's, it's really interesting to see how certain countries and certain, in certain places they have a different approach and a different culture to the sport and the items. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Argentina and Uruguay, which are the two countries more crazy about football, in my opinion, um, you know, they really cherish these as the biggest national uh, treasures. I mean, there's nothing that compares to to soccer memorabilia. It's it's really like that. Yeah, there there really isn't. There's something. It's it's indefinable. I think what's interesting about this collection versus other memorabilia collections other sports memorabilia collections is it oozes tradition and you know and culture as we just referred to it's not just a sport thing like this jersey isn't just a sport jersey it's a moment jersey and one of the most amazing pieces you have uh it's the first world cup trophy like that is beyond cool there's there's very little that compares to that that's out there. Mateo, how special is that? And tell me some of your other uh, more, more. I'm going to say it, breathtaking items. No, no, no. I'm sorry about this. I will have to pass it on Umberto because otherwise he will be mad at me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so, yes, yes. I can't have you that. I cannot me. have that. <laughs> you, you, you named me, you, you introduced me as co-founder. Actually not. I was not there. Actually, I, I tell you one behind the scene, and then I'll pass it on to Umberto. When Umberto back in the days told me, you know, I'm starting to put together this collection and blah, blah. I said, do you think there were really so many people ready to line up? Because he was managing the San Siro Museum mm-hmm. back then, which mm-hmm. is another part of the story. He will tell you more about. Says, is there really a lot of nice people, uh, um, a lot of people lining up? Uh, to actually watch, touch, and smell these uh, players' boots or this player jersey. <laughs> well, th- then the good business, my sister business, who is a psychologist. That was my take on him starting the business. So I am not a founder. I, I had to redeem myself along the way. Uh-huh. So <laughs> now that I paid my duties in terms of not being a first-time believer, on to you. No, I mean, I, I start with the, the story of Uruguay, and then I link it to a more general concept. So, okay. for example, we have the first uh, cup uh, from FIFA, which is uh, at the tournament at the Olympics in 1924. It's before the World Cup was established, mm-hmm. and uh, is the first FIFA trophy. 
um, just imagine that that's 1924, uh, so it's going to be 100 years, and it was in Paris, so it's the, the anniversary in two years. Um, and international competition already existed only for 11 years outside Great Britain. So I, everything was new, and that, that, that trophy is the first FIFA trophy. Is World Championship. It's not a World Cup, okay? But now that I'm telling you this about Uruguay, and that's the reason why they got four stars from the jersey, they won two World Cup, but they also consider to have won two World Championship, 24 and 28 at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. That's why you have four stars on their jersey. Um, you, you, you have to consider that the beauty of this uh, is is that you can't tell the story of a na- of a of football in a nation without telling the story of that given nation. Mm-hmm. So when I briefly touch upon Pele and Nigeria, I was telling you about a specific part of Nigerian history, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that goes with the you can't study the history of football in one country without studying the history of that given country. And that would be the same if you studied the history of baseball in the United States. Um, it's how the country changed, how the country uh, went through crisis, the war, and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie Robinson, you know, you have milestones, no? Huge. And that's the same for every given country with, with, with soccer. And uh, and that's the beauty of, of this, because inter- we call it edutainment, because it is entertainment, but it's intertwined with the education. And uh, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, Matteo, I, I want you to take this one. I know you want to pass it to Umberto, but you're answering the question. Uh, it's goats, right? With collectors, the, the greatest of all time are what matters. And your huge, 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 huge warehouse is loaded with, with the best of the best, right? Everything from Pelé to Maradona to Ronaldo, all eras. Is that something you've noticed amongst soccer collectors as they get obsessed with the bigger names? Or is there more interest in the deep dive in looking for the cool little niche items? Well, I have an opinion on this. Um, there's, uh, there's mainly two types of, of collectors in soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, those uh, two types of, of icons in soccer. There are those who are able to transcend eras, ages, nationalities, team, etc., etc., because they have been so good that it is impossible for anybody, even from another country, even from another team, even if they suffered a loss from these players, uh, is impossible to deny that they were the best of the best. And I'm referring basically mainly to Pelé and Maradona. Uh, Today, Messi and Ronaldo are getting up to that stage, but they're still in career, so you tend to hate a player, even if it's a great one, because he's playing against your team. Uh So, uh uh, it's absolutely true. There's a lot of more gut in soccer than than in basketball. Like, I see in, uh, on your uh, back left shoulder, Magic Johnson and and uh, a good guy up there with number 23, which is supposed to be good. He's all right. In the good conversation, okay. that's going like that. He's fine. Yeah, he's okay. He, he, did, he did okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, those two are another example on, on icons who transcends, you know, ages, sure. 
uh, it's impossible tonight. Magic Johnson has supporters in people who are diehard Celtic fans. Yeah. Same things happening in uh, soccer, multiplied by ten. <laughs> the other, the other, the other stars are very much. I mean, let, let's talk about a little bit of the market. You might find somebody. Uh, paying an unreasonable amount of money for a piece of memorabilia of a player uh, because that player is being the best of his franchise, of his favorite mm. franchise. There is the best of his national team. There is a lot of uh, team sense of belongings in what drives uh, people cravings mm. in the soccer collective. Mm. Well, that's what I see, but uh, I might be wrong. Uh, Umberto, does that impact the value? Like, let's just say you've got a player on the English national team or the Brazilian national team, whatever, and he's not a big stud player on, on, on anywhere else other than on the national team, because that's a different game, the national game versus the, the league game. It's two different animals. Uh, is there going to be a ton of interest in this guy because he fills a niche, even though he's not a big name because a, a, a Brazilian collector says, oh, that's my guy. That's my guy. Or is it kind of more along uh, the way things are trending uh, with uh, American collectors, basketball, football, baseball, et cetera, where it's all about the big guys, it's all about the big names? Uh, there's a... Uh on the club's level, there's there's a lot of that. Uh, uh, clearly, like in the NBA, uh, in the U.S. model, you have about 30 franchises, so that that that's it. Mm -hmm. um, in 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 world soccer, you have like seven teams in Sao Paulo, which is a 20 plus million mm, people city, and mm -hmm. uh, they have diehard fans. So their their best player does have a huge market for their community. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he probably doesn't have anywhere else. Oh, uh, so it's super regional. And, you know, people make the jokes about college sports where you're not rooting for the player, you're rooting for the jersey. Something like that, yes. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, so, Umberto, I'm going to throw this one to you. Um, again, I've been lucky enough to get a little taste of the collection. A lot of goats, right? A lot of goats, which is awesome. But what from your seeing, which goats are these days the most important to collectors? Is it the obvious ones, the Pelés, the Maradonas? Or are there other, you know, secondary goats who are getting people really excited these days? I mean, clearly, like, uh, there's these uh, four players, Pelé, Maradona, and Cristiano Messi, which which are the icons which are taking most of the attention. Mm -hmm. But uh, to art, uh, die art collectors, then, uh, you know, that maybe achieve the goal to get uh, one significant item of these four, then they, they start craving for someone else, which is pretty much of that level or near that level and it might become very hard to find because you know the best goalkeeper in in world football is considered to be yashin from russia and the guy was always playing with the same shirt so the number of shirts <laughs> available are very 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 limited wow so it's going to be very hard to find the same goes with pushkas uh uh, Di Stefano had more shirts, but not so many more. And Johan Cruyff had more shirts. So there's another 10, 15 players, just one tire below, mm -hmm. that you probably want to, to, if you want to have the greatest players of all time, you want to have. Uh, and some of these are really, really hard to find. 
and um, you know but the more uh, the more into collecting that that's that I think that works for every type of collection the more you get you start collecting and you get into collecting the more you you dive deeper and deeper into collecting mm -hmm. and uh, at that point it's not anymore just these four players or the superstars that everybody knows, but you, you dig into the history and you find out that there's other players from the past, which might be better than players you know now, mm -hmm. and uh, that are good, but maybe those guys from the past were better. Matteo, uh, we all know, like we said, the, the Mount Rushmore, if you will, uh, of, of soccer players. Are there any players that you personally look at and think, why isn't this guy of more interest to collectors no i do have my fetish if i'm allowed to use this you are allowed to use any word you want to my friend <laughs> <laughs> well there's um there are, i think there are two players that when you drop those name in any conversation then i think i would be able to convince anybody to own one of their pieces which has which are quite rare and both these players are not super famous for what they really want on the field mm -hmm. but for the stature of their of the, and the magnitude of their character and i'm referring to george best mm -hmm. and eric cantona mm. <laughs> so many stories can be told about the two of these that i mean at the end of a couple of these stories you won't want to have I mean, you would want to have hang out with them once, mm -hmm. but <laughs> for best, it's no more possible. For Cantona, I don't know where is he right now, but it, it's hard. It's it's a, it's a very uh, private type of um, a private type of guy. Uh, but the stories around them make them just you know like the Danish Rodman mm -hmm. just getting inspiration from from uh, Michael Jordan being behind uh -huh. you. It, 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 yeah, it was great. Yeah, he won. He was not the superstar. He was a specialist, you know, was getting the rebound and the defense. But then the, the stature of his of his of his uh character might want to have many people own a piece of Dennis Roman. And not necessarily an on-field worn uh piece of memorabilia. That could be something else. <laughs> because their life is so full than just, you know, going to practice, going to the game, uh -huh. get home and rest, you know. Uh in, in the red part, there, there's a lot. And for sure, these two has uh, more than 50% of the uh, allure linked to Man United brand. Mm. Uh, they contributed more than anyone else to the brand of Man United. Uh, something that has been kind of a thing lately here in, in American sport collecting is um, people are gravitating towards nice players. Players there who they're proud to hang on their wall or, or put, you know, their slab in the collection. Uh, players who are a, a positive influence in society and uh, in the sport. Steph Curry comes to mind. Uh, he's, you know, his cards are, are way on up there. Luka Doncic. Everybody loves Luka Doncic. He's a good dude. Hard worker, da-da-da. Um, Matteo uh, or Umberto, whoever wants to take this one. Are there any players out there right now who are just good guys who might not be the best player, but are really good players, but are very enticing to collectors because they are good guys. I mean, the first two that comes to my mind are, I mean, the one, the, fir the, the first one by far is Sadio Mane. Mm -hmm. 
the former Liverpool forward who just moved to Bayern München. Um, the guy is literally uh, fantastic. Uh, just consider that he has only one car. Um, he's uh, financing uh, basically all his uh, village, uh, an hospital in his village, a school in his village. He's paying an allowance to every single uh, person in his wow. village in Senegal. Uh, more than it's calculated that, that more than ninety percent of his money is going back to his. Uh, uh, to charity. Wow. And uh, and the guy is very low profile and uh, easygoing. So definitely is is a phenomenal example. Um, Marcus Rashford uh, from Man United also like uh, did uh, was very very active uh, in the anti racism and uh, sensibility uh, campaign uh, in United Kingdom. He also uh, was active in um, supporting uh, free meals in schools, so he paid from his own pocket mm. uh, when they cut those in Manchester. Um, it was, so those are the first two examples that comes to mind. I love that. I love that. Um, okay, so I know how I got to be a sports nerd, right? I watched a lot of sports when I was a kid, uh, wrote a lot about sports uh, before I got paid for it, then wrote a lot about sports and got paid for it. Uh, and then bip, 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 up here I am doing podcasts. Uh, Mateo, how did you get to be this 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 soccer guy, this museum guy? How did that happen? Talk to me about your journey from regular dude to soccer stud. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm probably going to deceive you. I, I do not consider myself. Oh, a, stop. A, super, a soccer mob. Come on. I told you I joined it later, but, but basically that goes back in the same story of every 90. Nowadays is 85%. Back in the day it was 99.9% of any Italian kid who would have as first option playing soccer second option playing soccer third option soccer playing <laughs> and if you were not good if you were not good with your feet they would still put you a uh, goalkeeper <laughs> not what happened to me even with like six three and i start playing soccer uh for my uh local team then something happened i switched it to basketball uh because of a reason it is too long to tell but i switched to basketball well i, I was six three so back then in italy i, I could be a good center <laughs> <laughs> you know i would be i would be today it would be small to be to be a point guard uh. but that's you know uh, as evolution we're talking about 40 years ago so and um uh, no uh actually my uh the big the big connection with me and, and uh, soccer passion who made me literally like cry and be on my knees begging my mind to let me watch the game and stuff like that was back when my father was um chief executive of a company who was importing some brand of uh, sports shoes uh in details were pony shoes mm -hmm. in the early 80s oh yeah sure and pony was Pony was sponsoring, among the others, Paolo Rossi, who turned out to be our national hero when in 1982 he uh, scored six goals during the Spanish World Cup, the World Cup in Spain, and uh, scored three goals versus uh, Brazil, made us win 3-2, one of the most unbelievable games ever, and then led us to the final victory uh, against Germany, 3-2-1, and that's, uh, that's, how I, uh, that, that, that's my biggest uh, inside connection with the passion of soccer, like being there and making your whole life seems to be depending on the outcome of that single game. Mm -hmm. uh, Umberto, same question. Rock the mic. 
Uh, I mean, my family has uh, roots into uh, sport. Uh, my grandfather was president of the Federation, vice president of the uh, 1960 Olympics. Uh, he owned a football club. And then I was born with uh, this huge passion for Inter Milano. And I started working for Inter Milano when I was 20. Mm. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, a dream come true. And uh, has always been, uh, I'm always been bleeding uh, black and blue. And uh, <laughs> that never changed. And uh, still never, it's still the way it is. I mean, I never talk about Inter uh, in, uh, when I work or uh, even with colleagues or friends. Because I, I I I tend to not mix the two things, mm -hmm. but that's my biggest love. So, and that's uh, that's that that's the, at the core of my passion for football. Then now, clearly, you start recognizing uh, maybe you hate Maradona when he plays against you mm -hmm. because uh, it was so phenomenal. He was scoring and he was beating you. But then, uh, when he retires, you realize that you have seen something that you might never see again. You miss him. Uh, so yeah, you I mean, miss you miss getting you, your you butt kicked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a, I've always been a Lakers fan. I remember Jordan destroying us in '91, mm -hmm. and I was hating Jordan uh, back then. And uh, but now, when you look back, you think like I would love to see to have Jordan playing. Yeah, because it was yeah. unique. Um, so I think to that end, um, I think I can speak for all of us when I say that we are lucky to. Um, make a living in the sports world and uh yeah it took a lot of work and a lot of passion to end up where we all are uh we're recording this in august of 2022 the world cup is about two seconds away uh it seems like it kind of just crept up on us uh umberto what are you guys doing for the World Cup, what 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 role are you going to do? What's the the WFC uh, going to be? Where's it going to be? So the biggest thing we cannot say, and uh, what we can say is that we are developing uh, multiple exhibitions in the region, uh, and not only in the region around the world. And uh, we are also developing uh, other projects, uh, NFT-related and, and of some kind, uh, art-related. Some other uh, type of projects are uh, very, very interesting art-related projects. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we're very, very active. Yeah, absolutely very, very active. Matteo, uh, here in the States, um Soccer is slowly, slowly, incrementally becoming uh, a player, right? It's becoming a major player. It's not one of the major sports yet, but it, it will get there. It's going to get there in like 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, but right now, the World Cup is what gets people all jazzed up, right? Uh, the World Cup starts. People get obsessed about it. We, we, we latch on to one team after the U.S. ends up getting eliminated so, super quickly. Uh, and it's great. People talk about it. There's a lot of conversation. Uh, so all of a sudden, it becomes huge. That, to, in, to the culture, to the culture. Second, it's over, like the Olympics, people kind of forget about it and go back to normal. So are you guys, as an organization, going to try and take advantage of that, of the, the visibility, the higher, heightened visibility throughout the world of the sport? 
Well, yes, actually, we're going to be uh, riding the horse in between the next two World Cup, the 2022, the upcoming one in November, December in Qatar. And then don't forget that in four years, we will knock at your door. Yeah. And, uh, and Mexico, uh, which makes that very easy to qualify for you. Uh, <laughs> Thank actually, God, right? <laughs> Actually, Italy seems to be need uh, to, to to host another World Cup to qualify, <laughs> given the fact that we we watch from the couch only the, the <laughs> last two edition. I mean, including the, the upcoming one, yeah. which is not usual for us, not not usual for us actually. And um, yeah, as, as Umberto said, there's one big project we're which is gonna ride from one World Cup to the another, which unfortunately we cannot talk about ah. uh, because we're under non-disclosure agreement. Ah. It's, it's an agreement between very serious institution. Like we are by far the smaller guys in the conversation, uh -huh. which is not a conversation, it's a business project. Uh -huh. uh, but this will actually be something that will take to the United States uh, uh the quintessence of our collection mm. with the attempt to uh, uh represent the history of soccer if you guys need a place to store it my basement is wide open right now so if you're running out of room we can get some armed guards here and set it up here at the Gulcher residence so now before we dive into talking about soccer cards let's talk about grading cards whether it's a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, a Tom Brady playoff contenders rookie card from 2000, or, I don't know, a Marv Throneberry card that came out of a post cereal box in 1963, and yes, that's a thing, Certified Sports Guarantee will grade your sports cards quickly and accurately. A subsidiary of Certified Collectibles Group, CSG graded over 1 million cards in its first year plus on the sports collecting scene, the fastest any grading company has hit that mark. The speedy turnaround times provided by the knowledgeable, passionate team of expert sports car graders will make your CSG experience smooth, efficient, and most importantly, fair. Regardless of the athlete, the sport, or the condition of your card, CSG will treat it with the love and respect it deserves. For more information about CSG, visit csgcards.com. That's CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. Uh, I would be remiss, Umberto, if we didn't talk about what's happening on the field right now and how it impacts uh, soccer card collecting, which is huge. Uh, a, a stat that I've dropped previously is that uh, a white paper came out last year saying that by 2026, collecting the hobby as a whole, cards specifically, um, will be a $6 billion international business. Uh primarily uh, because of international collecting uh, and thus soccer collecting. So what players right now should card collectors seek out? Guys that are going to be not necessarily the future goats, but will be of interest to other collectors uh, both now and the future. This is all, you know, it's always very complicated. Uh, and uh, you know that from uh, U.S. sports. Uh, uh, because uh, there's there's certain players which which are probably going to be like very very good, but they won't reach that status of uh, all time greats. Mm -hmm. So the the easiest name at the moment, obviously, are Kylian Mbappe and uh, Aland, the new guy in Man City. Yep. Um, yep. They are phenomenally good players. You don't know what's their ceiling. 
Um, well, didn't you tell me, Umberto, once uh, that Pelé is all about Mbappe? That's like the guy he finger quote endorsed. Uh, they just uh, they just got uh, you know uh, they 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 met uh, before 2018, mm-hmm. and they, they Mbappe was very humble, and Pelé really liked him. I uh, have seen him play before, and uh, they got off uh, very well. Uh, even if there's a significant uh, age difference, mm-hmm. and uh, from then on, uh, the uh, sort of relationship started between the two, and then Mbappe became the second youngest player of all time after Pelé to win the World Cup. Uh, so that that was another bond between the two, um, and uh, there's a there's a connection between the two, and they are in contact. Uh- now Mbappe, uh, th- the thing about him as a-, a guy that you know is not a, a soccer. Uh, I'm not you guys. I ain't even close to you guys. But I do know enough to know that he's pretty electric on the field, and he's kind of electric off the field. And that's the kind of thing like taking a, a-, a John Morant. For instance, that's not a bad comp right there. A guy who's a rising star, who uh, is electric, who looks great in television commercials, and who is starting to be of great interest to collectors. Uh, but who knows what's going to happen? Like you said, uh, if if the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, stink, uh, all of a sudden his cards become uh, of less interest, um, regardless of his performance. What's the culture like amongst soccer card collectors? Is it, you know, collecting Mbappe or collecting his team? No, it's uh, definitely uh, collecting Mbappe or it, because there's one layer that doesn't exist uh, as much in the U.S., which is to having the, the complete collection. Okay. Mm. So uh, from the first to, let's say it's, it's a 500 card collection to no, from number one to number 500. That's, that comes from the stickers that where you have you need to have the complete collection mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so how difficult is that to do it seems like it's really <laughs> well, difficult. i mean it's just opening a lot of packs and having some friends to trade or uh, cards with uh, but uh, uh, um beside that i it's definitely more collecting players than than teams mm-hmm. and uh mbappe is still very young uh he's now is the most valuable player in the world maybe the highest paid player in the world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly has a lot of attention on, on himself. So how he's going to perform at the World Cup is going to affect uh, the next uh, two, three years significantly uh, because whatever he does in France is not that relevant. Champions League is very relevant, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, but Paris Saint-Germain always uh, uh, succeed in making themselves uh, uh, um, eliminated in, in the most uh, horrific ways. Um, <laughs> they, they don't seem to be a team. Uh, they seem to be like a collection of uh, stars. Um, Can they gel? So- Will they gel? Can they gel? <laughs> I don't know. They're gelling at the moment, but uh, you know, Paris Saint Germain doesn't have the, the culture of a great club and. Uh, you know, maybe under the new management, uh, now they will. Who would you? Who can you compare that to? Is it sort of like um, a super team, like the the Lakers right now? You bring a LeBron James and an Anthony Davis and a Russell Westbrook together, and it's kind of a mess. <laughs> uh, m- m- multiplied by five. Oh, yes, multiplied by five. Ouch, um, yeah. Matteo. Who's 
because there's no salary cap. And uh, start, and have, out of these big, big three, four names, like it, even five in uh, Paris Saint-Germain, I mean, th the last player on the roster is worth like Russell Westbrook, just to give you an idea, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, all of these have an ego. Like in, in, in the Lakers, LeBron can talk, Anthony Davis can talk, Russell Westbrook could talk, and that probably was a problem. <laughs> Nobody has to talk, okay? Here, everybody has an opinion and have a personal stature or contract uh -huh. that says, you know what, yeah, you might be good at but I'm I'm less than you, but I'm no beginner. You know, I I don't know how to explain. Yeah. I mean, they they all have big big egos. So PSG is like the evil empire. <laughs> no, I mean it's, it's it's just a very odd uh, way to manage uh, uh, a club. So it's let's see if the, if they get it right. Uh, clearly, last year it was uh, like borderline ridiculous they had two of the best uh, two of the five highest pay, uh, paid uh, goalkeepers in the world now even a dummy like me knows that you can only have one goalkeeper on the pitch at a time am i not mistaken on that <laughs> yeah exactly like imagine in hockey if you have two of the best five goalkeepers no. it doesn't make any sense and in, in soccer you never no. replace the goalkeeper less than in hockey mm -hmm. so it, it doesn't really make any sense Sa no, same as for a quarterback you never have like a franchise quarterback and his backup is another franchise quarterback Yeah, because you cannot afford it. Yeah. I mean, you, you cannot afford it because of salary cap and stuff like that. I mean, your quarterback is your quarterback. And I mean, even if you've got guys, yeah, even if you got guys who are not A-listers, uh, look at the Washington Redskins from a few years back when they had Robert Griffin III and Kirk Cousins, two starting level quarterbacks, and there was all kinds of controversy, and it was Kirk Cousins and Robert Griffin III. Imagine what would happen if you did have, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady on the same team. This just, it's just silly. But I'm going to ask our last question to Umberto. Um, Bold predictions. Okay, we got the World Cup coming up. Give me something that, if it happens, we're going to look back at you and say, Alberto, you're a genius! <laughs> um, I think the uh, United States will qualify from the group stage. Whoa! You're not just saying that to make me feel good, are you? No, I think this time, you. Uh, it's funny because you're again in group stage with Iran, huh? And yeah. it's going to be like, there's going to be a massive, uh, uh, the press will, will play a lot around it. Totally. But this last time you lost, and this time you're going to win. And wow. uh, I think on the back of that uh, success, uh, you, because you have a good team with young, uh, talented player, uh, you're going to surprise uh, um, a lot and uh, qualify. So I, I should probably get myself a U.S. men's national team jersey pretty soon is what you're saying. Don't forget that, uh, you know, um, the World Cup is very uh, peculiar. And uh, the team that is entering the World Cup as a clear uh, favorite never wins. Uh, so it's 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 you're always convinced that this team is going to win. And that is the team that is never going to win. And there's so many surprises every edition. So. Otherwise, Brazil and Germany will always play the final. So, and it's not <laughs> so. well, th that makes me. I, I was hyped about the World Cup. Now I'm super hyped. All right, Matteo, give me a bold prediction. I say Belgium. 
What is it about Belgium that gets you all excited? They are an unpredictable team, so they get into my prediction. <laughs> and they, they it, it's one of those teams that, again, actually, in a one-on-one game, they can literally beat anybody. Mm. Sometimes they tend to beat themselves, too, <laughs> which is not good. So if they make it through the first round, then it could be, a, a you know, a, a bomb for anybody. So they're just like one of those teams that nobody wants to play. Nobody, nobody. Absolutely. They're always, always, I mean, they recently were, I mean, not, not too long ago, they were on top of the FIFA rankings. Uh, yep. I mean, they, they are a good team, good players, uh, nasty attitude in a good meaning. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't want to find them in, in the quarterfinal or semifinal or, you know, in any elimination round that, that uh, might be crucial. That, that's a nasty, nasty team. Umberto Paolucci, Matteo Pella, you guys are always a joy to talk to. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Alan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed Collect This, powered by CSG. Collect This was hosted, written, produced, engineered, and scored by Alan Goldscher. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at collectthis at csgcards.com. 